Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. <laughs> what the heck? I'm John. I was trying to sound like you when you were having your coughing fit. I think that... We were going to try and record here and John just flipped out. <laughs> That's because you made me laugh. Uh, this is all Jason's fault, as usual. <clears throat> How have you been? Uh, good. You? Great. Nice weather we're having. It is actually gorgeous weather we're having. This is what we like to call in the business spring. You sound like a, an expert. <laughs> I am. I'm a it weatherologist. Like a <laughs> technical explanation. I've, I am a weather. I'm a weatherologist. It's amazing. I went to college for that. So uh, we're doing two issues again today, right? Yes, but one of them is an annual. So oh. that's always exciting because those are always so good. I love doing recaps of annuals. I know, right? I have the next one if it makes you feel any better. No, not really. Do you want to get started on it today sometime? No, didn't we want to talk about something else? Oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out a segue for it. <laughs> that's so. That's amazing. We talked about this literally like five minutes ago. And I'd already forgotten. So some of you may have noticed, as we discussed last episode, that we have new recording equipment, and hopefully we sound better to everyone. We also know that we're now up to, I don't know, what episode is this? Uh, this will be 98, but we're, what, 220 issues in. Yeah, we're 220 issues in. We're almost plus, 98. Plus some annuals. 98 episodes in, and while I think pretty much every episode we've done has something to recommend it, I will probably admit that the early episodes may be a little rough. And we have new listeners coming on board all the time, and I think they go back to the early episodes and they're like, what the... F-? <laughs> so um, what we're going to be doing here over the next few months, probably starting in June... I think so, yeah. ...is we're going to start doing special episodes where we will recap 25 issues of the Avengers comic at a time. It's going to be relatively quick stuff. We're not going to obviously give the, the detail that we gave it when we did it originally. But that way, not just for new listeners, but for old listeners who are like, what happened in the early issues? Or for Bam. people like me who have horrible memories. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a good a good chance for us to basically just revisit some of the important characters that we've met and some of the important plot points because we refer to them all the time now. Yeah, we can we can kind of explain our own tropes. Yeah. About, you know, how many times Avengers walls have been smashed through and yes. who's joined the team and who's left. And, and who's left the team. And and we'll, we'll, I mean, we have a couple of running gags like the wasp fighting tree branches and sparrows that people who just are listening may have no idea what we're talking about. So it'll be nice to go back and and kind of give a a rundown of everything. And also with, again, with characters, because we may make a a snide comment about someone like the Space Phantom, who was in a total of three issues, I think, or four issues. So if you don't remember him, this will be your chance to. Or like the Hulk in clown makeup. (laughs) Ah, the Hulk in clown makeup. Because the Hulk's been in, what, three issues? Maybe four with the Defenders crossover? Yeah. Not a lot. So yeah, we're basically going to do like a one sentence, a one sentence write up for each issue. So it'll be a pretty small. I'll do it in like a big paragraph form, like we do the write ups now, and then we'll get into you know, the characters that we saw and the villains that we saw, and, and anything important that we you know yeah, that happened in a certain issue. The first introduction of Jarvis or things yeah. like that. First time the Wasp gets shot. The first time a Quinjet gets blown up or forgotten about, or the first time <laughs> the team fights a communist in a, in a diaper. The important things. So we're going to get to that eventually. Yes, that's coming up. So if you if you just started listening and you don't want to go through the the back catalog where we sound like we're recording on a freeway at least you know that coming up soon we will be doing some some recaps for for everyone and if you've been listening all along again i think you might enjoy them as well we'll try and make them fun yeah try we'll try <laughs> we'll make them as much fun as the regular podcast we'll leave the bullpen bulletins and the letters pages out so that'll make it flow a little quicker <laughs> amen previously on the avenging hour drax the destroyer or maybe his daughter moon dragon called the avengers to some distant planet to stop a civil war then thor slept with the bald chick and there was a fight drax eventually snapped out of her mind control and flew into a rage until he died. Then everything was better. And now, episode 98. Oh, we start with the uh, aforementioned annual. This is annual number 11 from 1982. August, September, I don't care. I, I don't think the annuals don't usually have months 
1982. It's written by J.M. DeMatteis with art by Al Milgram, and it's called In Honor's Name. Are we going to do Al Milgram now? I didn't do Al Milgram, so go ahead. Al Milgram is going to become incredibly important to us. We're going to be seeing him. As an editor? Or no? No, as an artist, because he's going to be drawing. Oh, right, he does West Coast Avengers. And he draws the main book for a while. So he's going to be drawing the main book and West Coast Avengers. So tell us about Al Milgram. He was born on March 6th of 1950 and started working as an inking assistant for Murphy Anderson in 1972. He worked for Charlton, he worked for Warren, he worked for Atlas Seaboard, and then he came to Marvel, where he has inked, written, penciled, and edited books. He's kind of a quadruple threat. He's done a little bit of work at DC, mostly on Firestorm, but the majority of his work has been at Marvel Comics. As we've said, we'll see a lot of him on, on not just the Avengers and the West Coast Avengers and the solo Avengers, but we'll also, he also did work on uh, the original Captain Marvel series, Deadly Foes of Spider-Man, Kitty Pride and Wolverine, Guardians of the Galaxy, Secret Wars 2, a lot of Venom uh, things, and Spectacular Spider-Man. Here's the thing about Al Milgram. I don't love his art. It's very broad. His people are fat? Kind of. And <laughs> and it's very like, he's he's very, he's a very big storyteller. I'm not sure that he, you know, I'm not sure how he was with Quiet Moments, but I will say this for Al Milgram. He is a solid storyteller. Like, you know what's going on in his books. You're never like, what the heck happened in that panel? You know what's going on in his books, and he's dependable. That's a ringing endorsement. You know, you, you joke, but after the artist musical chairs we see in this title, a lot. It's nice to get a, you know, like when he draws the West Coast Avengers, he does like the first 46 issues of that title with, I don't know if he has he might have one fill-in in that time. And when he takes on the main book here, he does a good, you know, over a year of steady penciling without anybody else coming on board. So, I mean, dependable may be a joke, but I don't really think it is. But you'd rather have Bob Hall? Uh, I don't have a real preference. I'm fine with Al Milgram. And I think Al Milgram and Bob Hall are both... Interchangeable. Yeah, well, not interchangeable, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy with either one of them. I'm happy with Al Milgram. This issue, like I said, is called In Honor's Name. Oh, good. That third-rate Defender's adversary, Nebulon, has been exiled on Earth, the planet he tried to destroy to Earth three times. Not knowing anyone else, he decides to drop in on Doctor Strange. When Wong tells him that Strange isn't home, he roughs up the manservant, then storms off to pout. He's sitting on a mountain being grumpy when Thor wanders by and makes friends. The Thunder God takes Nebulon back to the mansion for some Netflix and chill. But who's the strange woman hiding behind the rock that looks exactly like Nebulon? I'm sure that's not important. Meanwhile, back at Avengers Mansion, Captain America is sweating like a creep and talking to himself about how working out makes him feel alive and it's a little too much like Cape Fear for my liking. Wasp pops in to flirt a little, and then they go off to find Iron Man, who appears to be overwhelmed with responsibility. The tension is ratcheted up just enough for everyone to flip out when Thor suddenly appears next to a bad guy. Iron Man says his name three times, hoping Michael Keaton might show up instead, but everyone assures him that Thor would never do anything stupid, so let's hear him out. After Cap talks too much about himself, the team agrees to give Nebulon a chance. I'm pretty sure they're seconds away from adding him to the team with absolutely no vetting when the Defenders show up, probably by walking through one of the poorly repaired walls. <laughs> the Defenders insist that Nebulon is pulling a fast one. When Cap takes a step forward, Silver Surfer takes a shot shot at everyone, and, to borrow a phrase from John, the fight is on. That strange female Nebulon watches from a warship floating above the planet. She's crying tears of gold, but that's not important. Let's flash back and find out what's up with the Defenders. Valkyrie just returned from Asgard and is apparently the real Valkyrie now. Beast is crashing on Doctor Strange's couch, and Gargoyle is... Gargoyle. But hey, here comes that female Nebulon character, zapping herself directly into the Sanctum Sanctorum as if it has no magical protections whatsoever. I think Strange forgot to renew his contract with ADP. The lady introduces 
introduces herself as Saturnalia and says she's a bounty hunter here to bring in Nebulon. She does a quick bit of mind control and convinces the defenders that she isn't lying at all. Then she uses Valkyrie's mind to summon the Silver Surfer and the team heads off to get Nebulon. And then we're back in real time at the mansion with the fighting. Things appear to be going poorly for our heroes and they need a distraction, so Iron Man caves the roof in and the team escapes. Nebulon zaps them all away to the Himalayas for some reason, but the team barely has time to catch their collective breath before the defenders show up too. Both sides accuse the other of being duped and the fight continues. Something seems to be wrong this time, however. Our two teams are getting ridiculously worn out from some simple battles. Iron Man and Silver Surfer take each other out. Thor and Valkyrie take each other out. Unbelievably, even Wasp and Gargoyle take each other out. When the final battle falls to Cap and Beast, our plucky patriot pulls a fast one and allows Beast to pummel him. This clicks something in Hank McCoy's mind and shakes off the cloud of doubt. I have no idea what's going on, so luckily Saturnalia pops in to tell us that Nebulon led the team here so he could sap their essences with his giant invisible ennui device, which has immediately become my favorite super weapon. With the truth revealed, Saturnalia announces that she would rather kill herself than join her husband, her husband, in exile, or something like that. To tell the truth, I feel a certain, how do you say, uh... Ennui? About this ending? <laughs> Nebulon smacks the gun out of his wife's hand, which is enough of a distraction for Cap to toss his shield at the device and redirect it towards the aliens. Unbeknownst to Captain America, sucking Ennui out of aliens actually murders them. <laughs> so say goodnight, Nebulon and Saturnalia. The end. <sighs> Roll call. Our team is, once again, Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, and Wasp. And oh my god, I hope that changes soon. It, I, it will. You, are you sure? Soon? Yeah. Give uh, me, as soon as we get done with this. No, okay, good. We see Doctor Strange's manservant Wong. The team faces off against the Defenders, comprised of Valkyrie, Gargoyle, Beast, and Silver Surfer. And our villains are Nebulon and his wife, Saturnalia. So we should talk about Nebulon and Gargoyle, because we've never seen them in the Avengers before. Oh no, I forgot about Gargoyle. Do you have a Gargoyle right up? I do. Do you okay. have Nebulon? I do. I'll, let me you do Nebulon. Do Nebulon. Nebulon first appeared in Defenders number 13 in May of 1974. He was created by Len Wein and Sal Buscema, and he sucks. <laughs> He's part of a race of giant water-breathing aliens with tentacles, and he first came to Earth scouting for planets with resources so his people could scavenge them. For some reason, this allied him with the Squadron Sinister, who helped him build a cannon to melt the polar ice caps, but Nighthawk turned the cannon on Nebulon instead and zapped him away to another dimension. Nebulon later returned, posing as the leader of a mind cult. Later, fleeing his own people who were trying to convict him for treason, Nebulon took the form of the dead Atlantean, Lady Dorma, and attacked London with their army. His people finally took custody of him, and now here we are as he dumped them on Earth again. Nebulon took the form of Lady Dorma? Yeah. It must have been awkward with the Submariner in the bedroom. Did you see her? I mean, look at what Nebulon looks like, a blob. And <laughs> Gargoyle first appeared in Defenders number 94 in April of 1981. Gargoyle Wait, is... Wait, really? Yeah. He first appeared in Defenders. Yeah, shock. Ah, I just thought he would have come from somewhere else and then just became a Defender. I didn't realize he started No, no, there. he was homegrown. Uh, he, <laughs> he was on their farm club. <laughs> His name is Isaac Christians, and he was an old man who was the mayor of a home of, of some stupid small town that no one cares about. Was it Rutland, Vermont? And he... <laughs> He sold, I think it was in the South, he sold his soul to the Six-Fingered Hand, a group of demons that the Defenders fought, so he could save his hometown. These demons put his life force in the body of a gargoyle, and he served the, the Six-Fingered... <laughs> as you do. As you do. And he served the Six-Fingered Hand for a short time, eventually rebelled against them because he didn't like being evil, and he joined the Defenders and will stay with them until the book ends. Uh, gargoyle looks like a gargoyle. He has superhuman strength and some invulnerability. He fires uh, blasts and of 
li- of his life force and causes fear. <laughs> that doesn't seem useful. <laughs> he, he can... I'm, I'm hurting you, but I'm dying. <laughs> Here's my thing with, with Gargoyle. I always felt like he should be an interesting character. Right. And he never was. I mean, the, the concept is interesting because you have this, this older gentleman who's been mayor of this town forever. He's, you know, your regular guy who all of a sudden gets his mind put into the body of a gargoyle and it always seemed to me like that was something that had a lot of potential and yet we never saw that potential i always felt he was really kind of dull it comes up here and there in the defenders where he he acts like an old man and he because he kind of creates a relationship with uh is it hellcat or is that later on when they're he does create a relationship he has relationship where he kind of becomes like like a father figure yeah well and and even in this issue you'll find him saying things like mr iron man and like he's very polite yeah he's kind of formal and but um, it's like if you made Jarvis a superhero. But oh my god! But I, I really don't think he's very interesting. I don't think he works. Is very he well. supposed to be like Marvel's version of the demon? Maybe because that's horrible. So other notes. What other notes do you have? Oh my other my. This is Saturnalia's only appearance. That was my oh, history of her. Mm. So my only note is that the sound effects in this issue are amazing. I didn't even notice. There's one where Nebulon, when he first appears or first goes away, and <laughs> the sound effect says. Nebulon with an exclamation point. <laughs> Nebulon. That's amazing. And it comes up later. There's when uh, they first see Iron Man, and he's he seems to be nervous with all his responsibilities. Drumity drum, drumity drum, drumity drum, drumity drum. There's one that says ping when somebody disappears, and that at the very end, uh, the way that they want to die, this, <laughs> this big sound effect comes up. I think it's a whole panel, and it says the honorable way. Is that a sound effect, or is that just? Oh yeah, it is. It's a whole a little <laughs> panel. The honorable way. Oh my god. I mean, it looks like a regular sound effect that would say like blam with the same stuff around it but it says the honorable way that was the only note that i had so the avengers get called to avengers mansion by thor so he can introduce them to his new drinking buddy nebulon and iron man is really perturbed because they weren't supposed to be here. And he got he called says, out of like six meetings and three dates. And... He said, I had to cancel three business conferences, an address to a group of Stark International's foreign stockholders, and two dates on either side of midnight. And I have two questions for you. The first would be, how long is this meeting exactly that the <laughs> Avengers are having? That was going to be my question, yeah. Uh, that's ridiculous. And my second question being, was he or was he just going to do those all at once? The business meetings and, and the dates and just... Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him to have two dates at the same time. Uh, that's that's just crazy to me. Where are the Defenders headquartered at in uh, this issue? They're in Doctor Strange's house. It doesn't look anything like Doctor Strange's it house. It does not. Are you sure? I am pretty sure there's a... Uh... A caption somewhere. I looked for it everywhere. What's it say at the bottom of that little... It says, a certain Upper West Side brownstone. Yeah. Is Greenwich Village in the Upper West Side? No. Or is Greenwich Village in the Lower West Side? Because I don't believe Gargoyle has a house. And we know the Silver Surfer doesn't have a house. Mm-hmm. I don't think Valkyrie owns one. But we do know that they call uh, Doctor Strange's place a brownstone. It is a brownstone, yeah. I was, I just assumed that that's where they're... And, they, and don't they say something about Beast crashing there? I just assumed he was staying... At, I mean, in my write-up, I said he was staying on Doctor Strange's couch. I mean, I mean maybe. But I it just, doesn't look like Doctor Strange's place at all. No, someone should have told, should have given Al Milgram some issues of that book, some photo, or photo reference. Jerry Conway should have given them to him. <laughs> the issue really begins to break down. Please tell me when. When um, Nebulon shows up on the first page? Well, the problem is that Supernalia is upset with Nebulon because he's interfering with this race and you can't do that. Yet she has no problem sicking the defenders on the Avengers and mentally manipulating them. And I'm not sure how that's not interfering with the human race. It seems like well, it seems to me that it is. I don't get her argument. He's tried to like blow up the Earth three times. Yeah. And he was exiled there because of that, which seems like a weird thing. Yeah, right. We we don't like what you've done with Earth, so you can't leave it. I'm sorry that you keep robbing banks. We're going to make you live in a bank. 
I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't seem like the right punishment. Be a great punishment for the Shocker. Also, I thought her big problem was that Nebulon chose like the coward's way out. Like he's supposed to kill himself or yes. something. Yes. But instead he chose exile and no one else in their family or their race has ever chosen exile. Yes. Like you should have gone out the right way. So she basically has come there to make him kill himself. Or kill him. Right. Which doesn't seem as like, that's not which, the same thing. Suicide and murder are completely different. I, yeah. I don't, I don't understand how that computes. So I'm really not sure why she would care if he got involved with over there. She, I mean, her end result is that she wants him dead. So, but again, she's upset with him because he's interfering in the plan, in the, in the affairs of the people of this planet. And then she interferes with the affairs of the people in this planet. Maybe she's just mad because he's he's forcing her to get dirt on her hands. Well, that could be as well. When the Avengers fight, the first of all, the Avengers and the Defenders fight at Avengers Mansion, and the Avengers decide they're leaving, so Tony Stark blows a hole in the roof. Yeah. There's a couple problems with this, the first being that they're either on the top floor of Avengers Mansion, either the real top floor or the one Kang put on top of the mansion, <laughs> or the uh, Al Milgram forgot that the Avengers Mansion is multi-story. <laughs> it's, a, it's the new ranch house. The other thing is that... Doesn't Iron Man make some comment about sending the bill to Tony Stark? Yeah. They all know that he's Tony Stark. <laughs> well, and, and my other thing is, usually he's hesitant to do damage to the mansion because, again, it's his home. Right. Or was his home at one time. Uh, I'm kind of surprised. He, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's been a while since people have destroyed the walls. Maybe he's just given up at this point because there's no original part of the mansion left. Or I'm thinking maybe he has a repair crew on, on like, retainer and they haven't done anything for a while, so he has to pay them anyway. Damage control. Yeah, so he's like, well, I'm going to give them something to do. Also, and you'll find this about Al Milgram's art. I don't know if you noticed it. Iron Man has teeth. Al Milgram loves to draw teeth. I actually don't mind it. I don't mind it either. There'll be a lot of teeth to come. One of the first Avengers comics I got was a used issue of, an, of a book of an issue coming up here in a, in a couple of, of episodes where someone I bought it used and someone had, who had it before me traced all the teeth in every mouth so that you know because usually it's just kind of these featureless white gums they hadn't but they made sure to delineate every single tooth that's great and every single mouth it was really disturbing <laughs> but that was when i really realized that al milgram likes teeth yeah i don't i don't mind it i remember at one point didn't i i made some comment about iron man having eyeballs and you didn't like it and it was weird at the time because we had never seen it it was always usually just the dark slits colored in. But more recently, we've seen him with a face underneath the mask, and I actually don't mind it. This is a completely forgettable issue. Two teams fight for no reason, and at the end, the villains are dead and gone, and we'll never see them again. Yeah, it's this is one of... I mean, you know, we've we've joked what? about the annuals, because... And, and the problem with the annuals is, so often, is they don't seem like... They don't seem like Avengers stories. The last <laughs> right. annual was an X-Men story. Right. We had the Warlock annual way back when, which was really a Warlock story, and this is a Defender story. And I don't know why we can't have an Avengers story in the Avengers. And I asked you before we started recording if the Defenders had ever had annuals, and we... Couldn't really recall. We thought we had, they, they had some king size early on, but you know this is this is the defenders annual to take. Why do they bother making annuals if they don't if they don't have anything to yeah, put in them? What is the point? I, I know, know. What, like later on, uh, coming up soon enough, the annuals become this big crossover event. In the next few annuals, my memory is are are much more Avengers focused. I know we have one coming up with the Inhumans, one coming up with the Incredible Hulk, uh, and one coming up with during the Kree Skull War, and they're all more Avengers focused. That's it. The only other thing that's important in this 
this issue is the the end of this issue we see the avengers charter we have two pages of actual avengers charterness and it certainly is and it and we also get their bylaws did you read through them i did i didn't have any notes they're all i Here, don't know here's some uh, here's some things M- many of these may not require a lot of a lot of discussion but i'm just gonna throw these out there here's what we learn the avengers are a non-profit organization i guess that makes sense but you gotta <laughs> would it be funny if they like gave a bill after everything that they did well i'm just thinking there's got to be merchandising potential here action figures and play sets and toys you know in the marvel universe there would be but that money probably goes to fix the mansion <laughs> yeah that's the non-profit part they actually make money but then it goes right back into they are sanctioned by the national security council the united nations and shield and they have carte blanche in any united nations member nation the united states and any United States ally, which is a lot of overlap. That Zen diagram of those three, I would think, would be pretty... It's weird because you say that they're under the authority of S.H.I.E.L.D., United Nations, and the National Security Council, but the National Security Council's the United States. So really, they're... It's really the U.S., the U.N., and S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, it's odd. I mean, I guess they're headquartered there, but at the same time, seems to show some sort of bias. <laughs> we find out that they are funded by private grants, with most of those coming from the Maria Stark Foundation, and it says that the Stark Foundation has no control over the team, but in the Kurt Busiek run, we will see accountants from the Maria Stark Foundation, and apparently they come around every year to get an accounting of all the money that the team spends. So while they may not have any authority, they do have some oversight. They do they do audits, at the very least, of where the where the money is going. Well, at that point, by the time we get into the Busiek era, they've spent so much money, the accountants are probably like, whoa, hold on. It's also, by the time we get there, the team is probably not even really using this charter anymore. And aren't they on like their third mansion by then? Yeah. So it says no one, the charter says no one will have to surrender knowledge of their secret identity, which will come up during Civil War when everyone, you know, it would have been nice if maybe during Civil War, Iron Man or Captain America would have just thrown the charter in Iron Man's face. What What about this, Shellhead? Did they still have the charter by then? Well, again, no, they Mm. didn't because they had been disassembled. Uh, The term... Uh, chairs, chair people, chair beings. Uh, when you are elected chair, you are supposed to be chair for six months, but there are no term limits, so you can keep being reelected as chair for as long as possible. I thought it said something in there about it not changing until someone nominates somebody else, or there's some meeting. Or no, no, every six months they theoretically have an election of chair person every six months. Only legal adults can be members, and they have to have some sort of power or ability that sets them apart from ordinary people. To which I say, duh. Why is Captain America on the team? Um, hello, living legend, shield, tactical mind, second to none. They have an equal opportunity statement in there, which is cool. Of course, it's 1983, so it doesn't mention sexual orientation or gender identity, but they do mention, you know, religion and and ethnicity and that sort of thing, which is nice. Most of the votes for the team to pass most things require a two-thirds vote, not a simple majority, which I thought was interesting. New members, supposedly, have to go through a 30-day probationary period. Of course, as we've seen in the past, this almost never happens. But theoretically, it's supposed to. Active members have to log into the computers what goes on in their own titles. So any solo, if you're <laughs> an active... oddly specific. <laughs> any, well, theoretically, any active member of the team has to log in any adventures they have on their own. Which, you know, for people like Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man is a lot. For someone like... That's why the three of them don't spend as much time with the team coming up. Like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, I can't do this paperwork. I mean, for the Wasp, it's no big deal. She doesn't do anything outside the team. But but for people with their own books, that's got to kind of suck. Now, reserve... I'm sorry. If active members miss more than one meeting a month without a good excuse, they can be disciplined. By Captain America. Spanking. In his room. We talked before about the stipend, the $1,000 a week stipend. If you don't accept your your stipend, it goes into a retirement fund. Which made me think, they have a retirement fund? And wait, if you spend your stipend, does that mean when it's time for you to retire, you got nothing? You get nothing. You're screwed. And they get free medical insurance 
and life insurance. I would love to see these written today because I don't think at this point in time in 1983, health insurance was such a big deal and life insurance was such a big deal. But can you imagine the premiums they would have to pay to give these people health and life insurance? Yeah, but it's stark money. And and life insurance in the Marvel Universe has got to be difficult anyway because everyone always dies and comes back. So do you have to give the life insurance money back when you return? When you return from the dead? You would think in a world full of superpowered people where there's like huge explosions and crazy planetary stuff going on that life insurance, even for a a regular citizen, must be ridiculously expensive. You would think so, yeah. because Or it wouldn't cover very much. Right, or you have to have some special rider with like all these things that doesn't cover getting stepped on by Galactus. Doesn't cover. Like. <laughs> that is exactly the ex- the the example I was going to go for. Yeah, I just I, I, and they also when you think about it, they also get free, free room and board. So when you think about it as a full time Avenger, you have a retirement plan, a thousand dollars a week, free room and board, and free medical and life insurance. That's not bad. That's like being a congressman. There are different. We the the delineate the different types of Avengers. We know what active Avengers are. They also talk about reserve members. A reserve member is a part timer who can be called in in an emergency. I thought we weren't going to read these verbatim. They're not verbatim. This is the stuff. Your list is longer than the actual thing. Look, I just think these are the things that we didn't know about. So you have to have been active for at least a year to be considered for reserve status. So for someone like Tigra, she doesn't get to be reserve because she wasn't on the team that long. (laughs) Lucky for her, she can just walk away. Right? (laughs) You're out of here. Reservists aren't required to log their cases from their solo titles, but they're encouraged to. You know Captain America does, but you know Iron Man and Thor never do. I don't believe Thor has ever logged a case he's done. What else does he do? Uh, can, he, can he like pretend not to do it because he was Don Blake at the time? Or <laughs> he logs in as Don Blake and not Thor? Reservists are allowed to come to any meetings they like, but they have to come to at least one a year, which again, it would be nice to see. We never see reserve members hanging out of the mansion. Don Blake, world's greatest journal keeper. <laughs> if reserve members don't answer three emergency calls, they get demoted to inactive. We have never seen a reserve member answer an emergency call, have we? I have no idea. What happens if you're an inactive member? <laughs> and if you're a reserve and you want to become an, a- an active member again, you get priority over new members. So if you're on a membership drive and you've got reserve members that want to want to want to boost back up to active, so they, why haven't we seen Hellcat back yet? Well, she wouldn't be reserved. She wasn't on the team that long. No, that's right. She's inactive. Speaking of inactive, basically inactive members are ones that have resigned or been kicked out. Why would they even bother putting that in there? I don't know. Hey, um, all you people out there in the world that aren't Avengers, you're inactive. They do list the court martial rules we saw at Pym's trial. We won't go over those. Uh, they do. Doesn't they make some comment in there about how while we're not technically a military organization, we do operate under court martial rules? Yeah. Uh, the group has to have meetings at least once a week. And if they have an emergency meeting, that does not replace the regular one. You still have to have the regular one. So this whole annual, they still had to have a regular <laughs> meeting. Tony Stark, I'm sure, is not happy. The Avengers aren't allowed to play jury. And they cannot imprison people unless they feel regular imprisonment doesn't cut it. And then they have to tell the authorities, which I'm pretty sure they've broken at least once. Well, didn't they, didn't Thor just take Moondragon to... There you go. Boom. Uh, they share all their information with the FF and with S.H.I.E.L.D., the NSC as their liaison. And the only way to dissolve the team is the National Security Council or unanimous vote of all active members. That's what we learned. Okay, MVP. I give it to Captain America for being macho. Well, I gave it to him as well because he's the only one when they're fighting the defenders who says, this seems wrong, maybe I should stop it. He just let Beast punch him. Yeah, give me another one. Useless character. In a fight like this, Wasp is fairly useless. Uh, I picked Iron Man, who, when asked for a distraction, destroys his own headquarters. Uh, Best quote taken out of context. (laughs) The Avengers guided me through that painful transition. I went with, why must you make it so hard? Avengers level threat? I honestly don't care. I think the Ennui machine got to me. I think he is. Um, I, I or don't she know. is. I, I mean, he's pow- he's really powerful, but, you know, final grade. I give it a D. Uh, I give it a, a C. 
I mean, it's, it's uh, maybe a D is more accurate. I don't know. Why? All right, one more epi- one more issue, one more something. We're doing another something or other. Let's keep doing this thing. We're almost done. Hold on a second here. Let me pull this up. All right, we are at Avengers number 221. This is from July of 1982. It is by written by Jim Shooter and David Michelini. Uh, it is drawn by Bob Hall, and it is called New Blood. Avengers Mansion, early evening. Thanks for the info caption box. The Avengers are at their regularly scheduled meeting when they realize something that the rest of us have known for some time. The team is really small. With only four members, the team hasn't been this depleted in years. That means this issue is going to be a membership drive. Woohoo! We haven't covered one of these in like three weeks. So, the team has agreed that they'd like a total of six members, which means they need to add two more. Who said math classes wouldn't be useful later in life? And while they did just have a big pile of assorted applicants during their last membership drive, they decide to ignore those results since Moondragon was putting the mind whammy on everyone then. Just because someone said they weren't interested then doesn't mean they should be excluded from consideration. So who do they want on the team? Cap wants someone who plays well with others. Iron Man wants someone technologically oriented. Thor is looking for a noble warrior, and the Wasp wants more females. And you know Iron Man is thinking, can I change my vote? (laughs) However, before any decisions can be made, the time for the meeting is ended. The Wasp tells everyone to think about members, and they'll make a final decision at the next meeting. (laughs) The group splits up, with everyone making plans to do some recruiting of their own. Along those lines, we move to Central Park that evening, where Thor has arrived to find Spider-Man. Thanks to Jarvis recommending a more independent type of recruit and a time cover story on the amazing arachnid, our god of few original thoughts has decided that the wall crawler would make an excellent addition to the team. He hears that Spidey is often found in Central Park, and sure enough, there's the friendly neighborhood web spinner now taking on a group of bank robbers. Or he would have been taking them on, but Thor intervenes, creating a storm that washes out the bank robbers and soaks Spider-Man. Spidey's not too happy, and he starts to give Thor a piece of his mind, but then Thor invites him to the team, and the two chat a little about that idea. Spidey says he needs to think about it, but he'll let the Thunder God know. Next, we're off to Cross Technological Enterprises, where Cap and Iron Man have come to ask Hawkeye back into the fold. Hawkeye blusters and primps, but he quickly agrees to return to the team. The next day, we find ourselves at the Wasp's mansion, where she's hosting a brunch for superpowered women trying to find a candidate of her own. Invited are the Invisible Woman, Dazzler, Black Widow, Spider-Woman, and She-Hulk. There's a little cattiness between the Dazzler and Spider-Woman because broads, am I right? But the brunch is soon broken up by Fabian Stankowitz, the Meccano Marauder, who had attacked the mansion a few issues ago. Thinking the Wasp and a bunch of girls are easy pickings, he's surprised as the women rip him apart, while casually explaining that they can't join the Avengers right now and then departing. Dazzler claims she's a singer, not a fighter. The Invisible Girl is too busy with the FF, Spider-Woman just says, see ya, without an explanation, and the Black Widow begs off due to private business. Soon, only the Wasp and She-Hulk are left, and they easily mop up the bad guy. Soon, Jarvis is requesting security clearances for two new members, and soon Hawkeye and the She-Hulk are inducted into the team. The next day, Hawkeye's in a cab and heading to the mansion, letting us know he's keeping his job with Cross when he's cut off by a pink caddy. Hawkeye shoots an arrow that fries the electrical system of the caddy, only to find out it's She-Hulk's car. She lifts the cab off its wheels and leans it against a wall to teach him a lesson, then carries her own car to the mansion. Hawkeye finally makes it to the mansion and is complaining about the situation only to find that She-Hulk is a fellow member. Oh well, it's time to bury the hatchet, because once Wasp welcomes them with a kiss, they're part of the new Avengers team. It's like the Mafia. (laughs) (laughs) Our roll call this issue is Iron Man, the Wasp, Captain America, Thor, Hawkeye, and She-Hulk. Our villain, the only villain, is Fabian Stankowitz, the Mechano Marauder. 
But we also see Jarvis, Spider-Man, the Invisible Woman, Dazzler, Spider-Woman, and the Black Widow. I like when the, they're going around asking what, what they're looking for in a teammate. And Captain America says, uh, someone who can work in a team. <laughs> Thanks, Cap. That's a hell of a good insight there. What do you want for a teammate? Oh, someone who can be a teammate. Thanks, Cap. That's, that's Captain America for you. I oh. also hope that Bob Hall got paid extra to draw all the tiny circles on the mansion rug. Did you say rug? Oh, but yeah, it's Jesus. crazy. It's at least in two panels, too. I completely forgot before we go any further, I should talk about the She-Hulk, because she's not been seen in this title yet before. Oh, yeah, go ahead. The She-Hulk first appeared in Savage She-Hulk number one in February of 1980. She is Jennifer Walters, a cousin of Bruce Banner, a successful attorney who's targeted by the mob. Badly hurt by the mob, Bruce Banner gives her a blood transfusion to save her life, which turns her into the She-Hulk. She basically has the powers of the Hulk, but can control her transformation and keeps her intelligence. Of course, the rumor is that she was created because the Hulk TV show was successful, and Marvel was afraid that the TV studio would try to create a female version of the Hulk like they did with the Bionic Man when they made the Bionic Woman, and the TV studio would own the rights to her and Marvel would not. Is that also why they created Spider-Woman? Uh, I don't know, but it makes some sense. And She-Hulk is probably also important because if memory serves me, uh, Stan Lee wrote the first issue. Of She-Hulk? Yeah, which he had not done. I think he wrote When did she first appear in? Uh, Savage She-Hulk Savage number one. She-Hulk, okay. <laughs> anyway. When she, after she became She-Hulk, did she uh, did she go and then destroy the mafia? Destroy the mob that it was after her? Because, like, wouldn't you? <laughs> right? You would think. I never read her, her comic. would be hilarious if she just completely eradicated the mob? I have never read the Savage She-Hulk comic, her first book. I've read a lot of She-Hulk comics, but not that first series. But I will tell you this, and we'll be talking about this in a few issues after she's been on the team for a while and we start reading the letters in the letters page. People hate that series. The Savage She-Hulk? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everyone that wrote in about her was basically like, boy, I really hated this character until she came on the team. Boy, she sucked in her series, huh? So, which gives me more credence to the idea that Stanley wrote it. We like her on this team. I do, yes. I'm a She-Hulk fan. I believe that when we, uh, back when we had our old blog years back, that when we put together our, uh, pick what, seven members for our Ultimate Avengers team, we both had She-Hulk on the team. I think she's a great character, and she's even fun here. She'll be refined and made even even better over the years. But even here in her first appearances with the team, she's a lot of fun. Do we ever get to see the follow-up of Thor asking Spider-Man to join? Like, does Spider-Man... Yes. He does come back and answer? He'll come back with an answer. Okay. It's going to be like 10 issues from now. Maybe actually more like 15. Right. But he will come back with an answer. Okay. And it's possible that Jim Shooter, I mean, Jim Shooter might have had a plan for that, but Jim Shooter's not going to be on the book much longer. What? Sorry. Spoiler alert. I mean, as we see here, David Michelinie is helping to pinch it with this issue, and and I don't believe Jim Shooter's going to script another, or going to, yeah, I don't think he's going to script another issue of the Avengers. He'll plot a few more. And then he's outie. So the rest of them are going to have something to do with Pittsburgh. <laughs> I just want to point out that Fabian Stankiewicz is both a genius and an idiot. I mean, obviously he's good at what he does, but he's just stupidly doing it. Yes. But I think he should join the team and take Hank's place. <laughs> Does that mean he gets to marry the Wasp? Uh, just, you know, as the guy who builds things that, you know, don't kill people. We find out this issue when Thor gets to the mansion that he likes his mead warmed to a specific temperature by Jarvis. I mean, really? You're going to come in the mansion and be like, oh, yes, warm my mead to... He doesn't want it too cold for when he dips his junk in it. I don't even know where that came <laughs> from. There's no I, reason for it to be warmer. It's like, what, seven degrees above room temperature or something something weird. It has to be precisely 78 degrees Fahrenheit. And Jarvis is British. Shouldn't he be using Celsius? That's tough to maintain. Yeah, you would think. But, I mean, it might be that temperature when it comes out of yeah. whatever you warmed it in. But by the time you get it to Thor... Why, why does Dazzler keep getting invited to all these things? They were really trying to push her book. They really were. She does not fit in at all. And, I, like, instantly has a fight with Spider-Woman. 
I just wanted her to be her to be like, please read my book. Please read my book. Well, I got to go. Please read my book. My, my note was, uh, why does she keep getting invited everywhere? Couldn't they just hire a DJ? <laughs> <laughs> Especially why does she keep getting invited everywhere in that horrible costume that she has? <laughs> it's really bad. I feel like they, I mean, obviously they knew where they were going. Uh, the cover, we didn't mention the cover of the, of the book of this issue has 15 people on it. And you're supposed to pick like, oh, which two of these people are going to make the team? But they telegraphed it so upfront that yeah. it was going to be Hawkeye and She-Hulk. Yeah. Well, and, and then it makes you wonder why did the Wasp even bother inviting all these other women? Like none of them, they they all leave before she ever offers them anything. Well, and, and it makes me especially. I don't understand why she invited Susan Richards. Did she really think Susan Richards was going to leave the Fantastic Four? Yeah. To come hang out with the Avengers. I, I part of me thinks that would have been amazing, but it wasn't going to happen. Not yet. <laughs> We'll get there eventually, uh, sadly. I, I mentioned before we started recording that the scenes with Hawkeye and She-Hulk are great. And I love the fact that they built that relationship up immediately. Yes. And I also like the fact that we see the She-Hulk, when he comes into the mansion and sees her there, she's smoking a cigar. Or oh, yeah. A cigar or a cigarette, which, again, I'm not sure that you'd see it today, but it looks... I mean, she, I'm not saying smoking is cool, kids, but I, it's a, it's for her, it just really works. Oh, yeah. She's all she's in shadow, too, when he's uh-huh. first talking about her. She's in the background. Um, And I do like the fact that the Wasp welcomes her to the Avengers by giving them both a kiss on the cheek, which is so the Wasp. I mean, I would be. I would imagine Iron Man tried to do that when he was chairman to some of the new members. <laughs> he tried with Ms. Marvel, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> kiss on the cheek and a grab of the butt. But um, he just wasn't quite sure what to do with Jocasta. <laughs> but no, it's and it's also funny too because Jan Van Dyne, even at normal size, is not the tallest woman. And trying to see her reach up to kiss the She Hulk's cheek, you know, She Hulk is bent over almost double. Anyway, I have no more notes. I don't have any more. Bullpen bulletins? I, I have nothing. Mostly, it's uh, Jim Shooter telling you where you can buy the new direct market only uh, series that they're putting out. If you don't have a comic shop near you, the answer seems to be ordered through the mail. Letters page? Barry Dutter of Scotch Plains, New Jersey suggests they add Ant Man, Jack of Hearts, Doc Sampson, or Hawkeye to the team. And I actually want all of them to be the team. That would actually be a really interesting team. <laughs> that would be my lineup. We get uh, like half of that at once. We get all, uh, all we- but Doc Sampson, right? Yeah, Doc Sampson I don't think ever joins, which is a shame. He's, yeah. he's offered membership. I've always liked him as a character. I have always. Yeah, me too. Doc Sampson's great. And part of it, I think part of the reason I like him so much is because he's from the Hulk's book. And it's so hard for me to like anyone in that book. Right. I don't like the Hulk, but, but Doc I Sampson's really, acceptable. I've always liked Doc Sampson. I got nothing. That was, that was all I had to. Who's your MVP? Uh, I picked the Wasp. Yeah. I think she's trying to get some new blood. Uh, unlike Thor, who's like, I don't know what to do. Hey, Jarvis. Spider-Man? Sure. And Iron Man and Cap, who are like, Hulk, I used to be a member. Let's just ask him. <laughs> hey, we have a friend. Let's just... I, I think it's cool that Wasp is at least trying to get new blood, even if I have some... I I think She-Hulk, Spider-Woman, and Black Widow are all good choices. I just don't understand Dazzler or the Invisible yeah, Woman. I, right. And, and you know, I got to give her an A for her first membership drive turning out well. And plus, she's the only... She gets to fight a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, useless character? Thor. I agree. Yeah. He's really mopey, and Jarvis does his thinking for him. Best quote taken out of context? Well, I know exactly what this group needs. More girls. That's the one I chose as well. <laughs> it just jumps right out at you. <laughs> I mean, there's Avengers level threat. There is no real threat. The, the Mechanomarauder? Come on. Uh, final grade. I gave it a B. Uh, Hawkeye and She-Hulk are fun together, and it's, you know, a good new direction. That's exactly what I gave it. I gave it a B as well. Same reason. It's a, it's a good, solid issue. So we have agreed. Do we, um, are we doing it? We didn't do a question up front. Do you want to do a question now? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So this this question that we're doing, the reason we're doing it at the end is because it, it relates to this issue and it relates to the, to the cover. And as Jason mentioned, there are 
15 heroes presented on this cover, and most of these heroes aren't even in the issue. So my question is, if you're having a membership drive and we're throwing out the characters that, not even just the two they picked in in Hawkeye and She-Hulk, but I'm throwing out all the characters that actually appeared in the issue, which leaves you with nine characters. Oh, you don't want me to pick from the 15 that are on the cover? No, because Hawkeye and She-Hulk are already picked, and we see the others. So I want you to pick from the nine that we don't even see. That's Luke Cage. Oh, oh, okay, okay. It's Luke Cage, Wolverine, Rom, (laughs) Daredevil, Ant-Man, the Hulk, Doctor Strange, Black Bolt, and the Silver Surfer. So of those nine, what two would you choose? You want me to pick two other than the two that they chose? Yes. Okay. I mean, if you want to, we can open it back up to Spidey. Dazzler and Spider Woman as well. Yeah, they're not and really the Invisible Girl, but they're so like Rom. Why? But wouldn't it be great? <laughs> and Black Bolt. Why would you want Black Bolt on your team? He can't do anything. If well, he does anything, he'll destroy the world. Like I, I would pick Ant Man. We've had fun with Ant Man. I think Ant Man's a good character. And uh, out of the rest of those, I don't think I love Doctor Strange, but I don't think he fits. I would probably have to pick Power Man. I'm with you 110. percent It's funny of the of the of the nine people they put on this title that they don't even show. Part of the reason they don't show them is because most of them are so are such bad ideas. Um, <laughs> and oddly enough, most of them end up becoming Avengers anyway. It's so true. The Silver Surfer is way too powerful and way too not going to stay on Earth. <laughs> and way too not here. The Black, Black Bolt's so difficult to use because his powers are so destructive. Doctor Strange, as you say, does not belong on this team. The Hulk doesn't work on this team. Daredevil is too low-powered yeah. to fit for the team. It's Same with Spider-Woman. Oh, I think Spider-Woman has a little bit more. I think Spider-Woman could work. I don't think she belongs on the team. Um, Rom well, is stupid. He's not even here. Well, and, and I like Rom, but Rom is not a superhero. He's someone who's got a specific goal in mind. He doesn't want to catch bank robbers. The, the Avengers aren't going to go after the dire wraiths? Well, they will, actually. It's coming up oh, in a geez. two-part story. Oh, yeah, I remember that cover. And um, and Wolverine, and we'll be, I will be ranting about this continuously if if we don't die before we get to the uh, aughts, but Wolverine does not belong on the Avengers in Wolverine any way, shape, Spider-Man. or form. I don't think Spider-Man does either. I agree with that. I, I think Spider-Man is a great ally to have, but to put him on the team, I think, is, is to misunderstand him as a character. Look at that. We agreed on the issue, and we agreed on the question. Yeah. Now we can both agree that we're done, and we can get out of here. <laughs> on our next episode, our new team gets to face an updated Masters of Evil while Hawkeye teams up with Ant-Man against the Taskmaster. Yay, Taskmaster. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah, we're done. <laughs> if you would like to get in touch with us, we would enjoy conversing with you. If you have to, you're probably trying to, to service papers. or Yeah, don't get in touch with us if you have to. Our email address is mail at avenginghour.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at avenginghour. Uh, we have a Facebook page, and our website is avenginghour.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yep, yep, yep.